Welcome to the Riabu podcast with Simon Littlewood and me, Mark Laudy. In the United Kingdom, uh, if you are currently enduring the rail strike, it's probably just one of the many things that you're having to put up with right now. According to Barclays, uh, one in four SMEs are facing late payments. So never mind about the late trains. One in six SMEs are finding it more difficult to pay their own suppliers. And all of this due to the fact that uh, lots of companies are facing higher input costs. It's much harder to get uh, the sort of labor that you need, which means you have to pay your staff more. And it simply makes for a much more difficult environment to get paid and to pay. One in four business owners also say they've been concerned about their own welfare as a consequence of late payments. If you've never laid awake in bed at night hoping for a customer to pay an invoice, chances are you're not even a small and medium enterprise at the moment. Sleepless nights are so common that more than one in five business owners reports it. So Simon, in the United Kingdom, which is of course uh, where you hailed from uh, about a century ago, things are going (laughs) really, really tough at the moment. I know you'll take the joke in the way it was given. What's your assessment having also visited London recently? Well, I've got a couple of things to say. I mean, London always seems to thrive. I mean, London definitely wasn't looking economically down at heel. Uh, when I went there, I've been there twice this year. Um, it seemed to be thriving to me. But then London's not necessarily the same as the rest of the UK. London tends to thrive. I think SMEs are vulnerable. I think there's no doubt that operating margins are getting squeezed. I think before we get into the rather obvious question of what can I do to reduce costs, because the discussion that flows from this should be if economic activity is going to go down or margins are going to get hit, I should be doing things to reduce my operating costs so I can continue to make money. That's not it, It's surprising how often the conversation doesn't go in that direction. That's the direction that you need to go in. It's not about beating up your bank or beating out your customers. It's primarily, at least, about ensuring that your fundamental operating model means that you're selling enough stuff at enough margin to be able to cover your costs and meet your obligations. It's as simple as that. Now, what goes with that? And I hate to bring a, a discussion of our bookmark, uh, let the cash flow in, so early, but what goes with that is a very detailed understanding of what your cash flow outlook is. And just a little anecdote, I mean, I have a friend who you know also, Mark, who spends a lot of time helping small businesses, startups, and he's got a dozen on his uh, plate at the moment. And the first thing he does when he meets them is he says, can I see your cash flow projection, please? And he says in more than 50% of discussions, they do not have a cash flow forecast. I'm going to pause there for a second because that is hugely significant. And here, and I'm sure many of our listeners will understand there is a significant difference between cash flow and profit and loss account. Profit and loss account says if I sell X you know, at, at Y price and it costs me A to produce, here's my, here's my profit. Wow, the profit goes up as I sell more every month. I'm in great shape, except it doesn't because if you do it from the cash flow perspective is when do I have to put out the money to my suppliers? When do I have to pay my wages? When do I have to pay my establishment costs? And when do I actually get paid by my customer? Oh, crikey. Uh, there's a two-month gap. And the more I sell, the bigger the gap gets, right? And, you know, that's a real issue for all kinds of SMEs. And, and if you don't have a cash flow forecast, which enables you to project very precisely what the impacts of growth are going to be, then you can't change the forecast in light of changes to costs in order to look at the deteriorating impact of increased costs. In fact, you can't really do anything. So you need that. You need a cash flow forecast, and then you need to put in any changes which arise as a result of interest rate increases or customer costs going up. 
and ensure that, that that's reflected in the way that you run the company. So if it looks as if things are going to get to a point where you can't wash your face, which is an expression that many people use for cubby or costs. So I mean, right, we understand that, right? If you right. can't wash your face, then you've got to do something. It's not going to suddenly get better. You've got to do something. In fact, every realistic estimation from where we're sitting here in June is that things are going to get significantly worse between now and the end of the year. And we've learned from other sources that most people are thinking about a recession. So a bit of a tirade there, Mark, but at the end of the day, understand your cash flow and create a hierarchy of changes that you can make to ensure that your cash flow remains positive. That's point one. Yeah. Well, uh, and to just interject, I mean, the fact is that a lot of uh, business owners might argue that they can't project cash flow. Uh, you might say that, you know, you don't have a cash flow plan, cash flow projections. They'll shrug their shoulders and say, who can predict anything at this time? Well, I could sit down with them and produce one in an afternoon. I mean, anything's better than nothing. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. The fact of the matter is you need to have a cash flow. And it doesn't have to be a single cash flow, by the way. Prudent businesses, and I'm not excluding myself from this, do worse cash flow, best cash flow, and average cash flow so that you can be clear, particularly now when things are getting tough in the market, what's the worst thing that could happen? Let's say 20% reduction in revenue, 2% increase in borrowing costs. 15% 15% increase in salaries, all of which are quite probable from where I'm sitting. Uh, what would that do to your net cash in, net cash out over the next six to nine months? Crikey. It means we'll have a huge gap in our cash flow and actually we'll be, we'll be using up our working capital. We'll do something about that now. You can change your supplier and get better prices. You can sadly look at your human resources and decide that maybe you can automate and use fewer people. You can negotiate with your customers to get earlier payments because some customers will be more robust than others. The big ones will be able to afford to pay you better. Maybe you can trade a bit of margin for prompt payment. There are a whole variety of things that you can do to get on top of cash in the bank if you are early to act and determined in the way that you act. And you can't do any of those things if you're not looking at different cash flow scenarios. Mark, I'm sure you do cash flows all the time. Well, so where do you get started if you currently don't do cash flow projections? I mean, uh, you say that you could produce one in the course of a few hours. So what should you do? Well, go to the book, look at the one page cash flow template that, that we have there. And if you're struggling, you could hit, look at historical data. Start with your current ba- balance of cash at the bank. Look at when money is likely to come in. Look at what money is likely to go out. And things, of, things like salary and rent and things like that are very predictable. And then for things that aren't predictable, like customer payments or indeed revenue, take a couple of scenarios, you know, a standard scenario, a poor scenario and a good scenario, and look at what their relative impacts are on cash flow. It's actually not hard. Anyone's worrying about this, give me a call and I'll spend a few minutes talking you through it. It really isn't difficult. But think about using the template that's in our book, Let the Cash Flow. It's a one pager. It's dead simple. I'm not saying it's perfect, but if you haven't got a cash flow forecast, use this. And what about the other points that you were going to mention? Uh, so far, we've covered just the first one. Crikey, have we? Well, I think we were going to talk a little bit about working capital because if you like the most influenceable part of your overall cash flow, assuming we've already talked about revenue, I mean, I'm assuming that your sales force is running at 100 miles an hour to keep the revenue going. And we talked earlier about ensuring that you know top 20% of your customers will give you 80% of your contribution, so make sure you focus on them. But... Working capital is a key thing because almost every company in the world has 
some customers who pay late. So look at the ones who pay late, particularly if they're large customers. Look at the top 20% of receivables balances that will, that will represent 80% of the actual value that's owed to you and see if you can't do things at the individual customer level to accelerate that money inwards. First of all, make sure they've been billed accurately and timely. Second, if there are issues with their invoices, concentrate on dealing with those issues really promptly and quickly introducing a culture of dealing with them one-on-one. Escalate invoice issues all the way to the board. I'm not being funny. If you look at the book, two of our three referees, who each of whom have run large companies at different times, both talk about having invoice mistakes coming to their desks when they're COOs or CEOs. Because if you can't cut an accurate invoice, you're not going to get paid on time. And thirdly, see if you can't selectively negotiate with customers who you know have got higher security, have got more solid balance sheets, perhaps because they're part of a big, large multinational or because they're government related or whatever. But you can very quickly uh, come up with a hierarchy of customers who who are more likely than others to be able to be flexible in the way that they pay you. And if necessary, trade some margin. In other words, agree to charge them less if they pay you more promptly. You know, so there are a number of ways that you can address your your operating cost issue and ensure that you do not have to have sleepless nights. To use the title of this um, of this piece, of course, there's a lot more that you can do, but I would say those are the fundamental ones. Yeah. And you touched on the subject of giving up margin. In other words, offering a discount. This, of course, opens a whole new discussion. How much should you offer, and how do you counter the fear that whatever discount you give oh. now will be assumed to, you know, will be taken for granted when times turn good again? Well, it's it's all about uh, how you negotiate it, and you have to take that risk. But let's be clear: I'm not I'm not talking about offering a discount. I'm talking about changing your pricing structure based on different payment terms, and and that's slightly different. Let me say why it's different. If you, well, if you offer a, a bifurcated pricing structure, which says you can have it for ten quid. If you pay me in the way that you're currently paying me, which is in 90 days, or nine nine quid, perhaps I shouldn't say quid, perhaps I should say dollars, nine dollars if you pay me in 30 days, then you know what tends to happen is that everyone says, oh, I'll have the nine dollars and then carries on paying you in the same way anyway. Mm. So you don't want that. You don't want that opportunity. You want a, a single price based on a single payment term. And you need to look your customer in the eye. There's lots to be said about pricing increases, but at the end of the day, Depending on how important you are, if you're relatively small compared to your customer, then the chances are that you can get some advantages if you're careful about the way that you negotiate them. To answer your second question, which is what happens when things go back to normal, well, all payment agreements with any customer, but particularly one of your top 20% of customers, should have a specific time uh, limit and a preordained date for reviewing your pricing structure. In fact, One of the subjects that comes up again and again in the business groups that I chair is, crikey, how do we pass increasing prices through to our customers? Yeah, Because Mm -hmm. we've talked about input prices going up, and the reality is that that's very difficult if you're constantly having to pass your input prices onto your customers because otherwise you can't make any money. How do you do that? Well, the answer is that you let your customer know that it's going to happen, and you negotiate both ways. So your idea is you might have to charge them a bit more, but at the end of the day, they get to, you know, Negotiate as and when you need to, get it in writing, and stick to what you agree. My general observation is that companies are very, very wary of doing this. You know, when you talk to them, they say, Oh, yeah, we've been trying to increase the price. But when you actually drill down to what discussions have been held by the account manager with the customer, you'll find they're rather perfunctory. 
you know, they're not um, in detail. They haven't included thinking about alternatives. They haven't included a discussion on service and how it can be improved. You know, there are a whole range of things that you can inject into a conversation with a customer that will obtain customer goodwill and give you the ability to get some of the things that you want from your customer. Too often, these are considered to be too difficult and simply not undertaken. I think you're probably detecting, I'm not as negative as the data would seem to suggest, simply because of this thing, that, you know, in a process which is seriously disrupted, and we're looking at disruption, we're looking at serious disruption, supply chains are disrupted, price structures have changed, the customer world will be volatile because customers will be looking for alternatives at lower prices. Well, that spells advantage for a minority of companies. As a result of these changes, where can we go in and offer something different in order to retain or grow customers in order to get paid sooner and to reduce some of our liabilities? All of those things are possible if you have those discussions. And once you've had one or two successes, you'll discover that it'll catch fire and you start to develop ideas for generally improving the relationship with customers and generally improving the pricing ability and generally improving working capital. Okay, so quite a lot there. I apologize. Now is the time to be working hard. Now is not the time to be sitting in the canteen, drinking tea and wringing your hands or something stronger and wringing your hands. And the action should start with your biggest customers without any hesitation. Make a list today, descending list, starting with your biggest customer. Top 20% of customers will be worth 80% of economic value. Make it a priority to visit every one of those customers within the next couple of weeks. And when you visit them, have a series of things that you can offer them and some alternatives. And that's not the end. That's just the beginning of demonstrating that you are a different kind of supplier and you care about it. And again, if you want to know the kind of things that you might discuss, look in our book. There are templates for doing this. It's important to get customer service and customer relationships onto a different footing. Otherwise, you'll lose out. Okay, enough. Well, actually, we this will really only just get it started, but we'll leave that for the next podcast. Simon Littlewood, thank you for those insights. And uh, for you listening, uh, we, of course, hope that everything will be A-OK with your business, that you'll stem the tide of rising interest rates and input costs and other uh, forms of inflation. Stay tuned to the Riabu podcast. Drop us a note either in the comment section nearby this uh, podcast on the platform you're listening to us on, or drop us an email at service at riabu.com.